0: be seated if you have your Bibles with you this morning if you would turn with me to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 2nd Timothy chapter 4 It is our normal habit here at Grace Church to preach through uh, books of the Bible. We're actually in a uh, going through the book of Romans right now, uh, what we what we call uh, expositionally. Uh, and you'll find out a little bit more about what that means today. Um, but over the next uh, four weeks, while Jeff is on uh, sabbatical, we are going to be uh, entering to into, into a topical series where we're going to be looking at the marks of a healthy church. What are the characteristics of a healthy church? And so we'll be looking at that uh, over the course uh, of the next four weeks uh, starting uh, today. Well, in Second Timothy, you may recall that uh, Paul is is writing to his protege Timothy and Timothy is, uh, is, is in, uh, in the church uh, in Ephesus. He's ministering to them. Uh, what's going on during that time? Uh, there were several issues, but one of the primary issues was the threat of false teaching and false teachers. And so um, Paul is, is writing to Timothy and, and urging him uh, to do something particular in this passage that we're going to look at. Uh, As we start this sermon today. So, this is the word of the Lord starting in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready. Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as I prayed earlier, unless you build the house, we labor in vain. And indeed, we look to you today to build the house with your word. We pray that your spirit would be uh, at work Lord, that you would grant me favor to get out of the way. That you would unstop any ears that might be stopped. That, again, the hearts of of, of the people who are listening to this message would be readied for what is to be preached today. And that you would use it to grow them and stretch them. And I just ask, Lord, for your blessing upon this time. We look to you for... For our food today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to put yourself this morning for a moment in the shoes of a doctor. One day a patient comes into your office and after exchanging pleasantries with them, you ask the all-important question, how is your health? Well, the patient That's in your office perks up and says, Doc, my health is so good. I love my diet. I eat Twinkies for breakfast, Oreos for lunch, M&Ms for dinner. My taste buds are so satisfied. Not only that, I love my exercise routine. My fingers get such a workout as I play video games six hours a day. Sometimes I overdo it a little and they become a little stiff and sore. But no pain, no gain. Right, Doc? And, Doc, before I forget, I am seeing so much growth in my fingernails. I have to cut those things at least twice a month. So, as you can see, Doc, I am a picture of health. What would you be thinking if this is your this patient was in your office? First of all, you'd be thinking they're pretty loony tunes, right? You'd be thinking, though, that this person has no clue what the true marks of physical health really are. Because satisfied taste buds are not a mark of health and Sore fingers are not a mark of health and growing fingernails are no mark of health. And as silly as that illustration is, what it does is it highlights the reality of how many people who professed Christ, who profess Christ, determine whether or not a church is healthy. We look to characteristics that are no marks of a healthy church. Some, as an example, look to church attendance. As a sure mark of a church's health. Is the church growing numerically? Are the seats filled? If the answer is yes, they conclude that, wow, the church must be healthy. If it's no, they conclude, well, something must be wrong. Others look to music. Is the music emotionally stirring? Is there a band that I really resonate with? Is there a choir that gives me a sense of nostalgia? Still others look to what we might call the upgrades. Does the church have a robust youth group? Does it have a menu of programs that my family and I can pick and choose from? Does it have a welcome team that's equipped with all of the bells and whistles? With everything from golf cart rides from your car to the front door of the church. To smile filled parking lot attendance and a coffee bar. That would make Starbucks jealous. Still others look to the preacher. Is he entertaining? Is he an amazing communicator? Does he inspire me by his stories and his preaching style? Can I relate to him? Still others look to experience. Do I feel a spiritual high during the service? Are people speaking in tongues and prophesying? Are there outward displays of intense emotions? People look everywhere to determine the marks of what they think is a healthy church. But in case you did not realize, none of those are marks of a healthy church. At best, they're like looking at fingernail growth to determine whether a a person is physically healthy. And in case you didn't know, even unhealthy people grow fingernails. In the same way, even the most unhealthy churches experience numerical growth. And they have emotionally stirring music and inspiring preachers and unique experiences that make you feel like you're on a spiritual high. So if these are not marks of a healthy church, what is? What are the marks of a healthy church? That's the question that we are going to tackle in this four-week sermon series. And let me just say at the onset of this series that... That we owe a great debt to, to Mark Dever and the team at, at Nine Marks for a lot of the skeleton of the content that we're going to be putting some flesh on this week. And so if you've never read that book, the, the marks, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, uh, this, is, this is kind of where this series is coming from. And just so you know, we are not going to be hitting all nine marks of a healthy church in this sermon series Um, So, you may want to pick up that book if you'd like to to learn what the other marks are. I would encourage you to do that. But today, what we're going to do is we are going to jump into the first mark of a healthy church. And the first mark of a healthy church is this it is a church's commitment to expositional preaching. A church's commitment to expositional preaching. And this morning, just to kind of give you an outline of where we're going, we're going to first look at what expositional preaching is. Then we're going to look at why it's vitally important to the health of the church. And then lastly, we'll look at a few application points. And so let's start with that question. What is expositional preaching? Well, in 2 Timothy... Uh, the, The verse that I read a little bit earlier, the Apostle Paul is, again, writes to his protege Timothy, who is shepherding the church in Ephesus through several issues as a delegate of the Apostle Paul. And one of those issues, as I mentioned earlier, was that presence of false teachers. And in chapter four, Paul implores Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and kingdom, preach the word. Don't preach your own ideas. Don't preach what's popular or acceptable to the culture. Don't preach what people want to hear. Don't preach what makes people feel good. Don't preach a message that pops into your mind as you're standing behind the pulpit. No, preach the word. Preach the word in its context. Preach the word in its covenantal context. Preach the word in the way the Holy Spirit inspired it. Where the point of the sermon is the point that the Holy Spirit intended in that particular passage of Scripture. That's expositional preaching in a nutshell. John Piper says this expository means that preaching aims to exposit or explain and apply the meaning of the Bible. The reason for this is that the Bible is God's word. Inspired, infallible, profitable, all 66 books of it. The preacher's job is to minimize his own opinions and deliver the truth of God. Every sermon should explain the Bible and then apply it to people's lives. The preacher should do that in a way that enables you to see that the points he is making actually come from the Bible. If you can't see that they come from the Bible, your faith will end up resting on a man and not on God's word. Mark Dever sums basically up. What Piper says with his short and concise definition, that expository preaching is preaching that takes for the point of a sermon, the point of a particular passage of Scripture. The Holy Spirit's point is the sermon's point. As the preacher is preaching the word, you should be able to see clearly how he got that point out of of that sermon, out of that particular text, scripture text that he's preaching on. Steve Lawson, many of you know, who who teaches expository preaching, says this. He says, first, expository preaching is text driven. That is to say, the expositor must start with the text of Scripture and stay with that text throughout the sermon. He must say what the text says and promise what the text promises. He must warn where the text warns and he must offer what the text offers. In expository preaching, the preacher is the mouthpiece for a text of Scripture. The preacher has nothing to say apart from the Word of God. So the preacher begins with a text of Scripture and understands that he is a servant to that text of Scripture throughout the sermon. What the text says, the preacher says by explaining it and illustrating it and applying it and no more and no less. But maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, well, isn't all preaching expositional then? I mean, most preachers that I listen to, they use scripture in their sermons. That's true, probably. Hopefully it's true. (laughs) But it's important to distinguish between expositional preaching, like we're talking about today, and what is probably the most popular form of preaching in churches today, which is known as topical preaching. Topical sermons are sermons where the preacher chooses a topic to preach on. And so take the topic as an example of God's love or uh, or uh, God's sovereignty. Those are topics. Hey, even the marks of a healthy church are topics. OK, so he chooses a topic and then he goes into the scriptures And he compiles several verses that support that topic. And then he uses those scriptures all throughout his sermon in order to support that topic. If he's doing it like he's supposed to, at least on topical preaching. But I want you to notice the glaring difference between expositional preaching and topical preaching. In topical sermons, the preacher chooses the topic. Where in expositional sermons, the scripture text chooses the topic chooses the point. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that topical sermons are always bad. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing a topical series on the marks of a healthy church. Topical sermons can be good insofar as they're biblically faithful and they're used sparsely. But I hope to show you in just a bit that if a church is going to be healthy, if it is going to be truly healthy, its main preaching diet cannot be topical preaching. It must be expositional preaching, and I hope to show you that today. Expositional preaching, again, where this one passage of Scripture anchors the entire sermon, where the the preacher is bound to the text, and he's obligated to explain everything that's there. Some things more, some things less. And most importantly, to ensure that the point that the Scripture is, is, the Holy Spirit intended in the Scripture is the point of the sermon. That is expositional preaching. So let's talk about now why ex- why is expositional preaching vital to the health of a local church? Why is it vital to the health of the local church? Now we could look at many reasons for this, but we are, we're we're going to this morning we're going to focus in on three primary reasons why expositional preaching is vital to the health of a local church. And let's jump in with the first reason. Expositional preaching is the best means for God's people to hear the full counsel of God. You may remember in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul, he's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested and he makes a stop off and meets with the Ephesian elders, the elders of the Ephesian church on his way. And he says this in pouring out his heart in verses 25, uh, starting in verse 25, he says, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. Why? For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I didn't hide from you anything that God said. I didn't skip over anything. I didn't avoid doctrines that would offend I declared to you the whole counsel of God. Do you know that that's the responsibility of the preacher? To declare to you the whole counsel of God? Do you know that it's vital to your spiritual health to be fed the full counsel of God? The Apostle Paul, before he said, preach the word, a few verses before, a couple verses before, He gave that glorious passage where he speaks about Scripture. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Another way to say that is all Scripture is relevant. It's relevant to your life. It's relevant to your life right now. All of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is relevant. And you and I need every jot and tittle of it. We need it all. We need the full counsel of God for our spiritual health. We don't need fluffy TED Talks every week that exploit the Word of God. That, that take the Word of God and try to use it to talk about something completely different that's usually man-centered. We don't need to be limited, and you don't need to be limited by my finite mind or Jeff's finite mind. Who would it will inevitably if we're if we're preaching topically will inevitably are going to choose topics that that we know and we're are comfortable with. And we're going to avoid topics and and things that we're we don't really know and we're not really comfortable with or that we think will offend. You don't need that. No, you need all of God's word. You need meat. Think about it. Imagine you have two congregations. One congregation is getting fed a different topic that their preacher chooses every Lord's Day. And the other congregation is walking through books of the Bible, verse by verse, starting at the beginning and and hitting every verse from beginning of that book to the end of that book. Which one do you think is more apt to hear the full counsel of God? It's pretty clear. The one that's preaching expositionally all the way through. You see, when a congregation and a preacher are committed to expositional preaching, there is no skipping over hard passages. There is no avoiding difficult or offensive verses. No, the preacher has to study them and stretch himself to understand them so that he can say what God has said and bring the full counsel of God to the people. I remember when I got my first taste of this, it was here at Grace Church, as a matter of fact. And I had preached a sermon. I I did not preach every Sunday, but I had preached usually about once every six weeks or so. And I had preached a sermon on the first few verses of the book of Jude, which, by the way, is one chapter, the whole book book of Jude. I had preached the first three verses. And after that sermon, Jeff came up to me and he said, You know what? You should just keep going and just preach through the whole book of Jude. Now, I don't really remember my response, but I I, I would tell you now, as best as I can remember, my, my my anxiety level began to rise because I don't know if you've you've read the book of Jude lately, but there are some very difficult passages in the book of Jude that are hard to understand. They're tricky. And listen, at that point, when Jeff said that to me, I had no idea what those passages meant. But as I committed to expositional preaching through the book of Jude, verse by verse, I studied those hard verses week in and week out. And I came to a greater understanding and ended up preaching through the whole book, bringing the full counsel of God in the book of the book of Jude to the people, to you. Nothing skipped, nothing avoided. Listen to me. That would have never happened if I was not committed to. To expositional preaching. If I was committed to topical preaching, I'll assure you, inevitably, I would have avoided those difficult verses for the entirety of my preaching ministry. Never learning, never stretching, only preaching on those verses and topics that I was familiar with. And even worse, depriving you, the congregation, from the full counsel of God. It's vital to your spiritual health. This is why expositional preaching is the best means for God's people to hear the full counsel of God. Because there's no skipping, no avoiding. There's this commitment to telling you everything that God has said. Where the point of the sermon is the point that the Holy Spirit intended in that particular sermon text. So that's the first Reason why it's vital. It's the second reason why expositional preaching is vital to the health of a local church is that expositional preaching is a safeguard against false teaching. Second Timothy chapter four. Listen to the to the reason Paul gives Timothy as to why he must preach the word. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And here's the reason why. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Preach the word now, Timothy. Because alluring, seductive, and destructive false teachers are on their way. And the people, many people are going to listen to them and be drawn away. The enemy's detachment of wolves in sheep's clothing are on the move. The time is short. Preach the word now. See, there's a reason why the threat of false teaching is mentioned in just about every New Testament book. It's because false teaching is real. And it's present everywhere today. Just as it was then. If you think you are not prone to be lured away by false teaching, then Satan has you exactly where he wants you. You are like a soldier who has put down his shield and taken off his armor and propped up his sword. And you are vulnerable and unprepared. And the enemy can easily take you captive. I encourage you. To be on guard. Not one of us is not prone to being led astray by false teaching. But one thing that you need to know. And I need to be reminded of. About false teaching. And false teachers. Is that they don't preach the word expositionally. Think about this. Think about Charles Taze Russell. The founder of. Of what is known today as Jehovah's Witnesses. He didn't spread his cancerous heresies. About Christ not being God. Or Christ being a created being. Or hell not being a place of eternal punishment for sin. He didn't spread those heresies through expository preaching. No. He had to isolate scriptures. And manipulate them. To teach the heresy that his darkened mind had created. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They had to create their own translation of the Bible known as the New World Translation in order to conform to Russell's heretical teaching. One example of that. If you go to places like Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16 legitimately states, For by Him, that's Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? That there is nothing that was created if it wasn't created by Christ. Christ created all things in heaven and on earth. But then in the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses, you get a little word added. It's what it says. Because by him, all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth. And that other is not in any ancient manuscript. It was added there. They had to add it in order to be able to teach Russell's error that Christ himself is a created being. But I don't want you to miss the point here. We've gone gone down the spiral of seeing where it starts with one and then gone all the way to a new translation of the Bible. Don't miss the point. The root of this diseased and dead tree the Jehovah's Witnesses, that is now 8.7 million people strong, didn't start and it didn't grow through expository preaching because it never would have gotten off the ground because it's not in the Scriptures. It's the same with the Mormon cult. It's the same with health and wealth preachers on TV. You know there's a reason why you've never heard Joel Osteen preach an expository sermon? It's because he could never maintain his sin absent, man-centered, follow-your-own-heart gospel-less message through expository preaching. All of the mainline denominations that have gone way off the rails. The Presbyterian Church USA... The United Methodist Church and many others, they didn't veer into error by maintaining a strict commitment to expository preaching. They wouldn't have gone there where they're at today if they had had a commitment to expository preaching. This is why expository preaching is so vital to the health of a church, because it's a safeguard against false teaching. When the preacher is preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible, he's unleashing God's word to build the walls of sound doctrine and to prepare the people, you the people, to identify and strike down false teaching. That's why Paul is is so, so charged up about charging Timothy to preach the word. The people need the word to be built up and strengthen the walls to protect them. From the enemy's arrows of false teaching that come. I love what Martin Luther said. When asked about his accomplishments as a reformer. The center of which was the recovery of the gospel. That had been hidden in false teaching during the Middle Ages. He said this. About his accomplishments. He said I simply taught. Preached. Wrote God's word. Otherwise. I did nothing. The word did it all. The Word did it all. All he did was unleash God's word. And slowly but surely, by God's grace, the darkness dissipated, and the light, light of the gospel became to be was restored once again. That's what expository preaching does. It unleashes God's word, it brings light to the people, replacing error with truth, and then safeguarding the church from false teaching. So expository preaching, reason number two, it safeguards the church from false teaching. The third reason why expository preaching is vital to the health of the church is expository preaching is fertilizer for the church's growth. Plants grow when they're fertilized. I'm not referring, by the way, to numerical growth here. Although expositional preaching often does bring numerical growth to a church, we're proof of that by God's grace. Rather, I'm referring here to to spiritual growth, both individually as Christians, as well as corporately together. The Apostle Peter writing to uh, churches uh, that are dispersed in Asia, Bithynia, Cappadocia, other places. He says this, he says, like in, in, in chapter two, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. What a picture, what a picture that many of us can relate to when you think about this little baby fresh out of the womb. It's hungry. Longing for his mother's milk, longing for that which will make this his little body grow. Peter using that picture as an illustration to show how believers that we should long for the pure spiritual milk that we may grow. That's the word of God. There is no spiritual growth without continual consumption of the word of God. You show me someone who's growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And I will show you someone who is feasting on the word of God. And the majority of folks like that, the majority of them will most likely be members of churches that are committed to expositional preaching. Because what's happening is they're not nibbling on appetizers every Sunday. No. They're feasting on a banquet that the Lord has prepared right in His Word. Where the point of the sermon is the point that the Holy Spirit intended in that particular passage. Church, I want to brag on you a little bit. In my three plus years of being, as being one of the pastors of this church, I have seen so much growth. I have seen the bitter become sweeter. I've seen the, the, the anxious and the worried become more stable and trusting, resting in the sovereignty of the Lord. I've seen those who are wayward turn from their sin and become more faithful. I've seen dead people who were dead in trespasses and sins come to new life in Christ. And I am 100% confident That it is this church's commitment to expositional preaching is one of the primary reasons why. It wasn't Jeff that did it. It wasn't whoever's preaching up here who did it. It's the Word that did it. The Lord grows His people through the preaching of His Word. And when the Word is preached accurately, Romans 10 tells us that Christ speaks to His people through a living voice. Go back to Jeff's sermon on Romans 10 and you can hear a lot more about that. But that voice that is speaking as the word is being preached accurately, that is Christ's voice working in that, is the voice that's so powerful that it flung the stars to the farthest corners of the universe. It's the same voice that made the blind see and the lame walk while he was on this earth. Bodily. Bodily. It's the same voice that said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth from dead to living again. And it's the same voice that will one day crack open the graves of every decaying body. And they will resurrect, they will raise from the dead, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. And it is that voice that, that grows his church. Jesus prayed to the father in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, father, grow my people spiritually, grow them into my likeness, grow, make them holy like me. How? Through the word. The Spirit does the work of growth through the Word. And expositional preaching is the purest way, the safest way to get God's Word to God's people, unhindered by human ingenuity, unhindered by the preacher's finite mind to choose topics so that the people of God can indeed be healthy and grow. But not only that, expositional preaching is like a booster shot that should restore health the health of the church in other areas. Mark Mark Dever writes this, speaking of expositional preaching. It is not only the first mark, it is far and away the most important of them all. Because if you get this one right, all the others should follow. In other words, expositional preaching is the key that opens the door for all of the other marks of a healthy church to come in. Expositional preaching should lead to other marks of the church being adopted. So other marks like a biblical understanding of the gospel. And a biblical understanding of conversion. And a biblical practice of evangelism and of church discipline and of church membership and so forth. Give you an example. Right now, Jeff is preaching expositionally verse by verse and chapter by chapter through Romans. And God is teaching us and reminding us, and refreshing us, and shaping us in one of the the preeminent marks of a healthy church. That is, a biblical understanding of the gospel. In chapters 1 through 3 of Romans, what do we do? We let God's word tell us about our dreadful condition in his sight. It doesn't matter what I think my condition is. It doesn't matter what Jeff thinks your condition is. It matters what God says. So we're letting God tell us and what he told us in those first three chapters, at least two and a half chapters. He says that in spite of what we might think about ourselves, we are not good and we are not righteous in God's holy eyes. Our hearts, in case you didn't know, are like sin factories. We're continually churning out idols and lies and lust, self-centered and God-hating. Not necessarily, we might not necessarily feel that way, not feel like I hate God. But in our thoughts and words and actions, from God's perspective, that's what he sees and how he sees is perfectly accurate. And in the courtroom of God, as we get closer into chapter chapter 3, in the courtroom of God, we stand there condemned... And all we can do is be silent. All we can do is have our hands over our mouths because our guilt is clear and there is no excuse that can be offered. And there is nothing that we can do to change that. No cleaning up your life. No good deeds outweighing your bad deeds. No sacrament that some huckster says that you can participate in and you can be assured that you're saved if you do that. Nothing that you can do to get out of that state. We stand guilty and deserving of the wages that our sin has earned. Death and the second death, which is an eternity in hell forever. Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't stop at Romans chapter 3 at that point? Because then the curtain is pulled back. And the light of the gospel is let in. And it declares the glory of God. That God is merciful to all who turn to His Son in faith. That He will pardon anyone and everyone's sin. And accept them as righteous in His sight. If they will turn in faith to His Son and in His Son alone. How can He do that? Well, in the greatest act of love the world has ever known. God the Father sent His Son, the eternal Son, to take on a human nature just like yours and just like mine. Fully God and yet fully man. Born in a humble estate. In a stable. In a trough. Placed in a feeding trough. He had come into the world for a purpose. To be born under His own law. The Ten Commandments responsible to keep the Ten Commandments, just like you and me, but where you and I have failed today and yesterday and every day of our lives to keep the Ten Commandments. Jesus Christ, He kept the law in thought and word in deed for the entirety of His life so that could be said of Him by the time He took His last breath on that cross that He was perfectly righteous and sinless. Perfect record of righteousness. He didn't do that for Himself. He did that for His people. We'll get to that. And though he was perfectly righteous, they condemned him to a criminal's death. And he, he was crucified. And while he was there on that cross, it's as if he went into the courtroom of heaven, according to the Father's plan, all of this was. Went into the courtroom of heaven and went over to the evidence table where his people's sins were stacked as high as high can be. And he scraped them all off and said, this belongs to me. And then while He was on the cross, the eternal wrath of God that would have come crushing down on His people forever in hell instead was taken by Jesus Christ in their place. Until He drank that cup dry and He tossed it aside, figuratively speaking, saying, It is finished. The debt has been paid. He laid down His life. He, They took his cold, lifeless, dead body off of that cross and they placed it in a tomb. But then, just as the scriptures had been foretelling for hundreds and thousands of years, and just like Jesus had said over and over and over and over again, on the third day, he rose from the dead. An undeniable sign that it's all true. Only God can raise a dead man to life. And God is not going to raise a liar to life. And now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Which means to turn from sin. And to trust in Christ and Christ alone. Do you need your sins pardoned? If they're not pardoned by trusting in Christ, I'm going to answer it for you. Yes, you need your sins pardoned. The only way to do that is to turn to Christ. Christ. Because He paid for them on the cross for all of His people. Do you need a perfect record of righteousness? Do you need a record as if you'd never sinned before? Let me answer the question for you. Yes, you do in order to stand in the presence of a holy God. You can have that through trusting in Christ. Because the moment you trust in Christ, He clothes you with the perfect record of Jesus as if you had never sinned before. That perfect record of keeping the Ten Commandments. Today is the day of salvation. The door is open today. But it might not be open tomorrow. It might not be open in an hour from now. Let me urge you, if you've not trusted in the Lord, if you've not turned from your sin and trusted in Christ alone, you're still in your sins. And you need your sins forgiven. Turn to Him today. Turn to Him today. Once you do that, you will see that you have a new heart. He will have given you a new heart and he will give you new desires and you will have a new hunger to live obediently for him, not out of earning anything because, because you love him. And we, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And as we've learned, as we've gone through Romans and continue to go, go through Romans in chapter six through eight, the, the soul that God justifies, he also sanctifies, which means there's always fruit of justification. There's all, all, always growth that takes place on the other end of that. See, this is one is just one example of what Mark Dever is talking about when he says that if you get the first mark right, expository preaching, then all the other marks will follow. There is not a church that can preach expositionally, letting God's word speak in the way that it speaks through Romans and not be brought face to face with that glorious mark of a healthy church that is a biblical understanding of the gospel. We've seen today, we've seen three reasons why expositional preaching is vital to a healthy church. We've seen that it's the best means for God's people to hear the full counsel of God. We've seen that it's a safeguard against false teaching. And we've seen that it's a fertilizer for the church's growth. And the application today is really not that complicated at all. Ask yourself this question. Is my church committed to expositional preaching? Is it committed to expositional preaching? Is the main preaching diet of my church walking through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, from beginning to end, where the point of the sermon is the point of the Holy Spirit laid down in that particular passage of scripture that's being preached on? Listen, if the answer to that question is yes, praise the Lord! You're in the minority! Most churches today do not preach expositionally, in America at least. Encourage them to stay, uh, I'm sorry, you're, don't take it for granted. Yeah, Don't squander the Lord's good provision to you by being in a church that preaches expositionally. Listen, lean into that. Listen actively. Take notes. Expect the Lord to grow both you and the rest of the church that He has like promised to do. Let me just say, invite other people into your church. Invite them to come so they can come to the place where the the word is being expounded so that they can experience true spiritual health. Let me just say this. This is easy for me to say as one of the pastors, but be grateful to your pastors who labor in the word week in and week out to bring you the word expositionally. I will tell you firsthand, it is hard. It is hard work. That's why... Scriptures say it's labor. Laboring. Encourage them to stay the course by letting them know how you are learning and growing and what the Lord is doing through the preaching of the word. It's the best thing you can do to encourage your pastors. But what if the answer is no? What if you are not sitting under expositional preaching the majority of Lord's days? What do you do? Well, if the reason for that is because you don't believe That you need to be a a member of a church in order to follow Christ. So you you just don't typically go to church. I want to love you enough today to tell you. That you have bought into one of Satan's most crafty lies. You know a wolf, what a wolf does. Is a wolf knows that if he can isolate one sheep from the rest of the flock. He has dinner. And for you, if you are not connected to a local church, you're not an active member of a local church, let me just say, he's licking his chops. I don't want you to be dinner. Listen, that Lone Ranger Christianity that's so prevalent in the world today did not come from a careful study of God's Word. It didn't come from any expository sermon, I'll assure you of that. It came from that, that rebellious... Nature inherited from Adam that thinks that it has the right to determine what it means to follow Christ. That thinks arrogantly that it gets to determine what pleases God apart from what God has revealed in his word. And God has revealed clearly in his scriptures, in his word, that you can't follow Christ without being a committed member of a local church. You can't truly follow him. Not saying you're not a Christian, just saying if you're going to call yourself a Christian, follow Him. Follow Him and get connected to a local church. Now, there's grace for those who aren't able to do that, right? There's some who aren't who are prevented from doing that because maybe you're homebound because of a sickness or a something that's happened to you. Maybe there are brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that. They don't have any local churches. In fact, it's extraordinarily dangerous. Yes, there's there's grace for those situations. But if you are not prevented by providence and you're just making that decision on your own, I want to love you enough to tell you today that your application is this. You need to find a local church to get connected to. Your spiritual health is at stake. And you need to find one that preaches expositionally. And if you are local, you found one not today. I didn't preach expositionally today, but normally we do. <laughs> and if you're not local, we, we would encourage you. We we would be happy to help you to find one of those churches. Simply go to our website gracechurchcc.com. Did I get that right? Yes. And and contact us. We'd love to be able to help you with that. But what if you're a co- what if what if you are a committed member of a local church? And your church that you, you go to and are a member of, what if they don't preach expositionally? What do you do? Well, that answer is not exactly cut and dry. Okay, It requires prayerful discernment and patience and godly counsel. When I became convinced myself of the necessity of, of expositional preaching to my own health and the health of the church, I was a member of a church I wasn't a pastor at that time, but I was a member of a church that did not preach expositionally. And so after a season of meeting with one of the pastors to discuss my convictions about this, it became very clear that they were not going to change course. They were not going to preach expositionally. And so I had to make the difficult decision to leave for the good of myself, but the good of my family. They needed spiritual nourishment through the word being preached. And so the best advice I can give you is if you're in a situation like this, is that there needs to be a balance between moving too fast and moving too slow. Okay, undying loyalty is only good. If it's good, if, if it's loyalty to the right things, so undying loyalty is only good if it's loyalty to the right things. And so you need to be under expositional preaching for your spiritual health. That is a right thing. That is the aim. That is the goal in your family's spiritual health. So don't move too fast. Don't move too slow. And don't make that decision alone. I would encourage you to seek godly counsel and from mature brothers and sisters who can help you walk through that. That's part of being a body and part of a church. So, Well, as we close today, I hope that you have become convinced... If you weren't already at the beginning of this sermon, that expositional preaching is vital to your health and the health of the church. That it is the first mark of a healthy church. It is the key that opens the door for the rest of the marks of a healthy church to come in. Which we'll look at over the next three sermons. And I want to leave you today with the words of John Piper reminding us of what the aim Of expositional preaching is. May the Lord do this to us. Through the exposition of his word. The aim of his exposition. That is the preachers. Is to help you eat. And digest biblical truth. That will make your spiritual bones. More like steel. Double the capacity. Of your spiritual lungs. Make the eyes of your heart. Dazzled with the brightness. Of the glory of God and awaken the capacity of your soul for kinds of spiritual enjoyment you didn't even know existed. May the Lord lead you, if you are not already there, to a church that preaches expositionally. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are grateful today. Lord, to be Brought face to face with the reality that what we need most is we need the full counsel of God. We need to be protected from, from false teaching and false teachers. And we need, Lord, fertilizer for our growth. And we know, Lord, as we've looked at today, that it is through, it is through unleashing your word through expositional preaching That this is the best means to make all of that happen. Where we simply open your word and preach verse by verse and section by section of that that particular book. All the way through to the end. Lord, I I ask that there be any here today that are struggling with this. Or that they would have the courage to come and and have a conversation about it. I, I pray for those today uh, who are here, who are in a churches that, that do not preach expositionally, that Lord, you would, you, would, you would walk with them through this and that they would truly heed the counsel to not move too fast and not to move too slow, to seek godly counsel. And I pray for those who are not connected to a local church, Lord. They've been, they've been buying into the lie, Satan's bait, that today would be a day that you turn them to be in true and serious hunt for a local church that they can become committed members of because they love you and they want to follow you. I just ask, Lord, for your blessing upon the lost here today that, Lord, by your grace, that you would take the seed of the gospel that was planted today and that you would cause it to grow. Bring them to life, Lord. We thank you for blessing us with another another day to to be able to to hear your word.